Hello and welcome back to Green Eggs in West Ham. I'm Chris S. and I'm joined by Chris W. We are extremely excited to be back. It's going to be a, a fun summer with uh, with all the updates. We last time we recorded definitely didn't expect uh, any sort of break. We thought we'd be rolling into you know uh, that weekend's game and then next week be recording a new episode. Uh, it unfortunately didn't turn out that way, but we've got exciting episode uh, coming back. And Chris, what do you got for us? Yeah, it's been a long break without both football and this podcast, and and obviously, just the reasons why why are well understood at this point. But we're definitely glad to be back. We're we're praying for all the people that are that are dealing with COVID. I know it's it's affected both the United States and uh, the UK quite harshly, and just um, hopefully the the restart of the Premier League can just give give us a little bit of hope, give us a little bit of of enjoyment in these kind of frustrating and, and a difficult time. So glad to be talking West Ham with you and, and thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this. This is great. Yeah. Uh, I'm really excited. Uh, you know, we, we try to stay away from issues outside of soccer. Um, but this one, I think we, we definitely have to address because it affected soccer. It affected everyday life. It, you know, affected everything, but the premier league was put on pause. Um, now they've decided that it's safe to resume. Uh, players have been training. Uh, it's, they've been exercising social distancing uh, to the best of our knowledge at practice. Uh, and then they also are, you know, going to start resuming games this weekend. And uh, so, Chris, I've got uh, one question for you. Do you think it would have been better for West Ham specifically to cancel the season or to keep playing these games? You know, we're uh, kind of at the bottom of the table right now. We have a decent chance of staying up, uh, depending on how he plays next few games. But there were a lot of people that were calling for the cancellation of the season. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, there. I mean, there were definitely a lot of people – that were calling for the cancellation. And I think that that was, that was justified as far as like for health reasons. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we do have more and more players test positive and potentially an outbreak uh, happening again, but under most of the systems, most of the scoring systems that were discussed when football was, was postponed would have seen West Ham kept up or if, if there was relegation at all, which would have been, you know, kind of a get out of jail free card for what has been over uh, an underwhelming season so far. Uh, I'm I'm happy to see us being able to play again, but it would have been nice to have that guaranteed safety. So, uh, as you know, both both you and I are listeners to the to the West Hamway podcast, and uh, we what one thing Dave and X mentioned was as terrible this year has been. It, it'd be just a nail in the coffin if, if West Ham did happen to get relegated and, and there, there is a chance now, but I I think overall it would have been better for our survival chances for us, for the season to have been canceled, but you know, you're not going to get those get out of jail free cards. So we got to play and we got to, we got to take advantage of the, of what we've been given. Yeah, like you said, you're you're not going to get those get Jedi yeah, uh, get out of jail free cards all the time. And it's it's been a couple months, folks. We we are going to have a couple <laughs> yes. uh, verbal mishaps. We've both been quarantining pretty much, so not a whole lot of human interaction. Yeah, trying to get back into speaking for sure, uh, but like you said, uh, we're not going to have those you know free uh, freebies that 
we talked about some interesting prospects where that they might, you know, promote uh, the champions league up, but then not relegate anybody. I kind of was in favor of that, but it, you know, protected West Ham, but, well, but uh, it also would have had a massive relegation next year too. Right. Which and could have been could have messed wild, up. but fun. <laughs> Right. Um, but, you know, hey, we're, we're faced with what we've got. And uh, overall, I agree, probably would have been a safer option to cancel as we were out of the relegation zone anyways. But uh, well, I, I will say that under most of the scoring systems discussed, we would have stayed up. But I believe there was one or two um, because of just kind of the difference in the number of games played, we would have actually gone down. So it there is a chance this could have saved us rather than... Uh, kept us up so definitely and i think one thing that's going to really impact uh, the, these next few games is the injury timeline so we we're, we're struggling with a few uh Suchek, you know had been out and uh, possibly just come back i can't even remember i know fabianski had been struggling with injury anderson had come back and same with antonio uh, all of them within the past say two months uh, before the season canceled had been in and out so and Fred, we've had time Fredericks to too, and as we'll discuss later in the podcast giving him time to come back could be huge for us in light of some contract negotiations we'll get into, but absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, excited to watch it. Uh, first games this weekend, we'll get to our outlook later and I, Sam's got to come out strong. Yeah, we do. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, just kind of where the club is right now, as far as contract negotiations, the direction of, of recruitment at the club and kind of, this is about when the transfer window would happen. So we're going to, get to kind of discuss what we, what we'll see from this transfer window. I welcome back. And in this section, we're going to talk about just kind of the, the business surrounding the club right now, different contract rumors, a little bit of transfer rumors and, and just where the club's at right now. Well, let's kick it off with, with kind of what a lot of, a lot of news sites and a lot of West Ham social media has been talking about right now, the contract negotiation of, of young Jeremy Ngakia, who's really had a bright few games for us, but his professional contracts coming up, and at end in the summer, and it looks like he actually might not even feature for us in the remainder of the season. Chris, do you think West Ham should re-sign Ngakia? So this is a really interesting topic of discussion that's come up lately. <clears throat> he did <laughs> fantastic. Uh, the last few games we had him, especially starting against Liverpool, and had a great showing against the right now the best team in uh, in the Premier League. So he also is a young player. I believe that he you know has a lot of potential as we saw he's obviously working hard uh, i would like to keep him i think you also could keep him on a relatively low cost contract uh, but the club's not deciding to do that and uh, chris i think you have some details on uh, on some of that huh yeah there seems to be some disagreement as far as what he is actually asking for and and what the club's really offering now i we are not in any way in the know, we get all our news sources from from the same things that are just out there publicly. 
I personally think uh, I, I don't put much credit in the, the kind of tabloid, uh, you know, we're linked with this person, that person, that person. I don't really put much weight into it until I hear someone like one of my biggest sources, Corette and Hugh and ex West United employee. If, if, if they're on something, then it usually has some weight to it. Uh, and, and West uh, X has kind of said that, that the, the numbers that the media has been throwing out the, about Jeremy has been vastly overblown. Some, some outlets saying he wants as much as 20,000 per week, which I agree if that, if that is the number that would be too much, but it's been all but proven that that's not the number that he's asking for a, a much lower amount. And, and I, I think he deserves to get an offer. I think he's proven himself even in the short amount of time. He has the, the skill and the physicality to play in the premier league. He has room to grow we haven't seen his mentality uh, per se to see if he, if he can last it, but I, I think we definitely should. And, and I want to actually, outside of the playing aspect, I want to walk through kind of the financial reasons why we should keep him. Before you do that, uh, the, if you look at how Frank Lampard or, you know, you've got Lester, for instance, even Wolves, I mean, look at the players they're going after. Look at the young talent they're getting. They, they have scouts that can, uh, you know, look at talent and see, okay, this player is going somewhere or not. I, mark my words, one of these clubs is going to pick up Ngakia because I'm, he's, go, he's just like Fernaus in my opinion, where he's got potential. He's been doing well. He hasn't had anything to dissuade us from, hey, we shouldn't maybe pick this guy up, you know, uh, maybe like a Roberto scenario where he was decent but has kind of gone off. So, uh, yeah, Chris, why don't you go into some of the details of the club too? Yeah, when I, I definitely agree with you. A club is going to snatch him up. And, and like I said, we don't know how many of these rumors are true, but there have been reports of Watford, even Liverpool, uh, I believe Chelsea even, but I know Liverpool for sure have been linked with him. So good, good clubs are trying to get him. And, and we've West Ham have let young players walk away before, and, and it, it's, it's honestly quite stupid. Fin- financially... So he's a 19-year-old English player that's shown promise the Premier League. One, so one, he's English. He counts toward our homegrown player quota. That's key in the Premier League. A lot of times, especially now, more now there's more foreign players than ever. It's a lot of teams are more tied up against that that homegrown player deadline. So he fits that bill. Second, he's in a position of need. Currently, we have a very injury-prone Ryan Fredericks, an unproven and also injury-prone Ben Johnson and a aging Pablo Zabaleta who will be out of contract at the end of the club. So he's already going to be gone. Uh, so we only have two remaining right backs, both are relatively injury prone and one of which is unproven. Having a third player at, at the wage that that's been talked about for, for Ngakia, which is anywhere from three to 8,000 a week plus bonuses is a steal for a a squad player, but he's even shown more than just squad player potential. He's shown potential future. If we don't sign him, we are going to, based on our squad depth, have to get another player. So we are going to have to go out and sign another player. Now think about everything that we, that all the cash outlays involved in signing another player. So when, when you sign a player outside of your club, you have to pay the fee, to the other club, negotiate a fee. So you have to pay some amount, which is usually, especially for a young English player, will be very high. You have to pay the agent a fee. So his agent will get a fee. 
you have to typically play the player a bonus, and then you also have to play the payers, pay the player's wages. Now, not all of those happen immediately. Sometimes those transfer fees are stretched out over two, maybe three years. But it's, it's a significant investment, and it's a player you haven't seen yourself in your building. You don't know much about. You've only seen them play, so it's a gamble. Now, think about re-signing a player. Re-signing a player, yes, you have to pay his wages after you re-sign. You have to probably play a smaller amount to hit to the agent as some sort of bonus, but you don't have to pay another club. And because the agent fees are often based off transfer fees, you don't have to pay near as large a fee to his agent. So by signing a player that you already have, you're saving financially, getting the same player from another club, you're already saving so much in millions and millions of pounds with the inflated transfer prices right now. On top of that, you also know the player you're getting. So he's much more of a known quantity. And so you know where he can fit in your team. So I think for like financially, it's a no brainer. You have to sign Ngakia because we are, our squad depth is terrible and we would need that position anyway. Well, I want to point out too. look at Hilaire. Hilaire's been, you know, at best, okay for us, but he was a superstar in Germany. He's, he's been a superstar. And so we signed him big signing, expecting him to come work, you know, fit right in with our club. And it didn't necessarily happen. It took a little bit adjusting. Now, hopefully he's fit in. We'll see. But uh, look, like he did not fit in 100% the first day he showed up, you know, <clears throat> we went through a really rough patch with him. And I think now we're just getting to where, and it took a season. So with Ngakia, we've already, he's already built into the system. He already, like you said, is proven player. If you sign another player in his position, even just slightly less in money, with all those fees you talked about, you're going to end up either not having the same quality of player, or you're going to end up paying more for the player, or you're going to end up with a player that even if you sign him less, all those fees are going to make it more expensive than if you had just kept Ngakia. So yeah. It's and, a lose, and, lose, lose. <laughs> and with the with the wages that we've been playing certain players at this club, think of the most egregious ones I can think of are, are Carlos Sanchez and Jack Wilshire. You're 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 fine playing these pay, paying these players eighty thousand, a hundred thousand a week. For in in Sanchez's case, he's a liability every time he steps on the field. In Wilshire's case, he never gets on the field, and. and now, I, I, I think the, at, the, at the time of the signing, the Wilshire, Wilshire signing was the right move. And, but I don't believe the Sanchez one was. And, and Zabaleta, too. We extended his contract for a couple months, and I believe he makes sixty or 80000 a week. It, it, it came up to almost 250,000 pounds over, over the time of, of the, the rest of the, the season. That's almost – I mean, that is – that could have paid almost a year of Ngakia's salary under this new, under this new. So it, it's, it's, I just think it, it really is, is very short-sighted and stupid financially of West Ham to do this. Next, we're going to kind of talk about the, the, the transfer policy at the club and, and what we're really looking at. Uh, Chris, what do you yep. think? So, First of all, I really, just to close on that last one, I really can't think of one single good reason why we should uh, get rid of him, but moving on. Um, I think we've <laughs> covered that. It's, it's our owners being cheap at all the wrong por- all the wrong <laughs> yeah. times and spending money in all the stupid places. It's, it's, it's a time when you look at West Ham and you're like, really? <laughs> like, come on. But anyways, uh, you know, but whatever. 
So I hope that works out for us, but I don't think it will. Uh, anyways, with transfers... Well, I, I, I just want to say something. I will not blame him if he leaves. The ownership has treated him horribly in these negotiations from what I've seen. Don't blame the owners. Don't blame him if he leaves. He's not asking for the moon. He deserves more. If, if, he, if, if we're judging him on his performance, he deserves what he is asking for. Right. And uh, to move on to other transfers. So this is going to be an interesting one, Chris. Uh, we've got, we're basically cutting into the transfer window right now. Uh, it should have started roughly around this time as you know, in years past. So instead we're picking up with say the last two thirds, maybe last quarter of the season here. Uh, how is that going to affect the actual transfer window and, and even rolling into next season, are the players going to get a break or is it pretty much going to be uh, right into it? Yeah, well, the, the, there's definitely going to be a shortened break. I, I imagine they'll have to give something. Uh, they probably won't have – luckily, because we've come up with a two- or three-month kind of break, probably about a three-month break by the time we kick off, you won't need they'll – be, they'll be somewhat more rested, so we have nine games remaining. So they won't need the full break, but it will cut into the transfer window. And with the current state uh, of where our transfer situation stands, that could be a big problem. So reports are that although we have some targets uh, some targets identified, we aren't making any moves until we know what division we, are, we will be playing in, which I think is a drastic mistake. Uh, but first, let's talk a little bit about what this transfer window really will look like. As we've seen, uh, pretty much as the global economy has, has turned into a, a recession, if not a depression, football having long, uh, long stops and in some, some leagues even cancellations, the financial situation of football around the globe will, will kind of be unknown at this point. It, it's going to affect leagues differently. Leagues like the Premier League, who seem to be able to get to get the rest of the season in, won't be as affected. Germany's going to be able to get their season in. But, but a lot of some of these smaller European leagues have canceled. And I really think that's going to, going to create an issue. And, and a lot of clubs that, that aren't as in financial are financially as stable as the Premier League clubs we could see a lot of clubs filing for bankruptcy or, or having fire sales on their players. What do you, what do you think uh, this, this transfer window is going to look like, Chris? Yeah. So like you said, some of the smaller clubs, and I think that's where West Ham needs to focus. I, this potentially could turn the club in 180 degrees in the January transfer window. We picked up Bowen, right? Bowen has been, and, and even another keeper have impacted the game. Uh, e even if that keeper was just for a few games before Fabianski came back and Bowen obviously has impacted our season uh, and forever changed what, uh, what our season would have been. So yes, a January transfer window made a difference, but I, I see this transfer window as being, the time when you you can 100 you can turn this club 180 degrees around not that it's all awful but this season has not been great and we really can make a lot of money here not in terms of uh if monetary value but just in terms of quality of players the people we signed like you said fire sales on players if we're smart we'll take advantage of it you know clubs like liverpool and clubs like leicester for sure they're absolutely going to take advantage of this. Uh, uh, you know, from a business perspective, it's just good business to get players on on the cheap here. 
so you watch who they're signing and then and and they're gonna i think they're predicting gonna go crazy with uh with some of the players they get and they're gonna get some quality players there are quality players just like bowen who are not in the premier league yet but are quickly working their way there so we're looking for young players and that's this is exactly where we need to make uh make a lot up here yeah, I think buying from the Premier League is is at this point just you're not getting the value you need. And, and the, the clubs that are really pushing forward are the clubs that, that buy not from equal level clubs, but that buy the good players from clubs below them. So that can be in, in, in a Liverpool's case, Liverpool buying Van Dyke from Sunderland, buying Mane from Sunderland. Oh, sorry, not uh, Southampton, buying Mane from Southampton, buying other other players from lower down the table in the Premier League, getting value for those players, identifying the right targets. Or it could be a team like Leicester, who's you know not quite financially as strong, so they have to look somewhere like the championship, and they get a James Madison. They find a Jamie Vardy several years ago. They, they look in the French League, get an Golo Conte. And and either they they're able to keep these players or they sell them on at a big profit. It's it's not all about the money you spend. I you know I read I was reading a graphic I think it was over the last it was either the last three or five years the net spend rankings in the Premier League. Chelsea and Liverpool were right at tenth, and wow. they are near the top. Liverpool's having one of the best seasons ever. And West Ham were well above them. Brighton were well above them. It's not wow. how much you spend; it's it's where you find the money. So, and and where you find that value. And West Ham, it's it's not going to be buying from other Premier League teams. It's going to be buying from the Championship. It's going to be buying from uh, the Dutch league, the the Belgium league, the second division of Germany or, or, or France. That's where or lower lower in the first league of those, that's where you're going to get the value. And I think we do need to be looking for those younger players in in those positions. You know, it's interesting. You're talking about all the different leagues. When you think of transferring players, you know, a lot of times you can get sucked into just premier league or even, even Bundesliga, uh, possibly the French league. They've definitely got a relatively strong one, depending on the team you choose, but look at, you know, you've got Pulisic, like from the American League, given MLS in the U.S. is not the strongest, but there are players, if you look around, there are players that are young, that are not in the Premier League, that are strong. And just like Ngakia, who got his start, or say even Bowen, or Fernals, for instance, those those players are were proving huge in Ngakia's case, but are proving huge for us those are the players we need to, to develop. And if you had a whole team of Bowens and Fornals, and even I'd stretch it to Ngakia, think of in one, maybe two seasons, you would have probably the strongest team in the Premier League. Yeah. Well, and just look at the players that are shining for us right now. Uh, besides the ones that have come up through the academy, like the Rice and the Nobles, Suchek came from the Czech League. Uh, Fredericks signed from the second division. Cresswell signed from the second division. Uh, Diop signed from a lower uh, still first division in the French League but a lower team but then the the players that we buy from quote equal clubs oh and and Bowen one came from the championship so far has proven really well but the the, the players we buy from the, the equal with us clubs the Anderson from Lazio the Hilaire from uh, from Eintracht Frankfurt Eintracht. they 
I think they are good players, but they and I I definitely am not going to give up on Hilaire yet. But they are not. They could be good players. You can get a good player for a bad price. You definitely and, can. If you look at, like you were mentioning, the value, I think that's really what you have to talk about with with players. The value of Bowen is greatly is is much greater than Hilaire right now, or than Anderson for sure. You know, I don't even want to get into Sanchez and and Wilshire, but uh, the the value is what you really need. And our club is not the greatest at capitalizing that. Whereas you look at Leicester, you look at Wolves, for instance. Wolves are a good, and we're going to get to our outlook. They're a good team. And I mean, I can name a few players. I can't name all 11 other players like for, like I can for Liverpool or, you know, Man City. Well, and I don't think they bought a single player in their starting 11 from another Premier League club, if I, if I'm right. I mean, they, they've, they've, they've signed some from championship teams. They've signed, they have a the large uh, Portuguese contingent. But not they're not really buying these established Premier League players. They're they're buying players that show promise in other in other leagues and, and getting them for for pennies of what they would cost if they were playing at a at a Leicester or at a you know at a uh, Burnley or whatever, and it's paid off. Right, and like you said, Madison I think is the uh, pinnacle example. What a, a quality player and he did not come from the Premier League, right? I mean, yeah. He started up in the Champions League. Great signing. Someone, some scout out there saw the potential in him. And now, given we have Rice, I think Rice is, you know, like you mentioned, the academy. Sure, there, there's, I mean, there are 100% players out there in the Premier League. If we could sign Sala, heck yeah. But there's players out there that are really good, but their price tag and the value for what we can pay is not worth it compared to when you have a Madison, a Bowen, uh, you know, let alone in, if they'd want to come here. If it, in, yes. in, until you establish the culture of winning, you're, you're either going to have to drastically overpay in fees and wages to even tempt some players, or they might not even ever come here. So it, it you, that really the only path to push to the next level is to get those young, hungry players that show promise and not, not hope for a $45 million or million pound transfer to, to change our luck. It's going to be those 10, 15, 20 million pound transfers from a lower team that turns into a world beater for us. And yet we refuse to sign Ngakia. <laughs> yeah, we, were, we refuse to sign Ngakia. <laughs> we were, we'd rather extend Zabaleta's contract. Now I love, I love Zabaleta, but, but it's just, he's not he's not the player we we need and 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 one thing i i will talk about so us not actively identifying targets for both scenarios the one of us staying up and the one of us going down is going to hurt us especially with this abbreviated transfer window we are not going to have the time to wait until the season's over to then then start our transfer policy we need to be looking, thinking right now, uh, watching film. Yes, there's not a lot necessarily that many live games in some of these leagues, but there is videotape out there where we can study players, identify targets, and have a game plan going into this short transfer window to hopefully make next season great, whether we stay up this season or not. I I think it's a grave mistake to not look uh, in the future and not forecast. Look, we've had, say, three months roughly. Uh, it's about the middle of March to middle of June here where we 
had time to plan and to forecast and to look at the value that you're going to get for every player and even watch leagues. I mean, you know, watch the leagues that you wouldn't normally watch. I don't know, but you have three months and, and you're not doing anything else besides staying in your house. So how it, it blows my mind, how we have not looked ahead. However, I guarantee you clubs like I've mentioned, like Lester and Wolves have, and that's what's going to kill us because they're going to get the James Madison. They're going to get the players that are, that have the potential in there. And then meanwhile, we're left with uh, whatever's left. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's definitely, let's hope we're proven wrong, but I, I'm not having too much hope when it comes to this, this summer window. Um, but that's enough. Uh, that's enough of that. Uh, that talk next, next segment, we will uh, preview the Wolves game and, and, take a look at what our chances are come Saturday. Welcome back to the third part of Greenings in West Ham, where we have our outlook for the next game coming up, which is against Wolves. Wolves currently are a great team. They're playing um, – Roughly, they're above midfield, maybe around the sixth position. Uh, they're fighting for a decent tournament spot. And we've obviously West Ham's kind of fighting that relegation spot where towards the bottom of the table, <clears throat> we, we need this win. Uh, we definitely need uh, some points out of these next few games. And we're going to come out with a prediction on how we think we actually will do. It's uh, not not a hopeful prediction, but an accurate prediction prediction so we'll get to that in a little bit um chris what do you have for us on some of the players we need to watch out for and uh, what kind of strategy are the wolves going to come out with yeah they usually like to play uh kind of a three four three so a three back or a five back depending on kind of how how you look at it uh that that could be could be interesting for us especially with with three strong center backs if if we leave Hilaire or whatever striker we play a little too isolated that could be it could be a real rough night for them uh the players I, I'd say the the biggest threat to West Ham specifically is going to be Adama Traore he's a a fairly young but extremely pacey winger that uh currently has 11 combined goals and assists this season man he is just big strong fast and and he plays plays usually on their right wing, which means he'd match up against our left back and and with kind of the options of Cresswell or Masuaku, that could be could be a could be a rough night for us if, if he gets down that flank with Cresswell being a little short on pace and Masuaku not necessarily being the most technical defender, whichever one plays there is gonna have their hands full all night. How are you going to counter that? So you mentioned we've got Cresswell, but as the coach, say, and as the manager, what would you instruct the players to do? Would you instruct, you know, hey, Cresswell, stay back a little bit? Or would you say, hey, we need to play a little bit more aggressively. Let's keep the ball uh, basically away from him or force it to that side. And then we know, you know, maybe we can put a, a Rice all-time marking him or something. Yeah, I don't that's, – that's, that's a really good question. I don't know if I'd put a, if I'd put Rice on that that far out because that could leave our center our center exposed I, I, what I would say is you you will have to get them some help so I think I think the best way to get our whatever left back we have playing some help 
would be to put a whoever we play at left mid, make sure they're committed to coming back on defense, make sure they're committed to helping out, and hopefully they're pacey, someone's pacey enough to, to track him down. Uh, and really you just – you're going to have to throw numbers at him because because one person's not going to be enough to stop him as as good of a dribbler and as fast as he is. I definitely think you're going to have to throw numbers at him. And like you mentioned, you might say, hey, uh, we'll have the right mid kind of go up to more an attacking role, but the left mid needs to stay just just a few yards back from when they usually would. Right now, we, we'll get into our lineup, but you know, I've got Fornals on the left, uh, and I'm pretty sure you too. So he's more of an attacking-minded player is he the right one uh, to, for that defensive role? Or maybe, maybe in my opinion, you would have Fernals there and then you just instruct Ogbana, hey, look, you, you are a center defender, um, but you might need to shift over and that's okay. We know that we might be, you know, maybe I'll leave it to, to Diop and have Fredericks pull in a little bit to cover that, knowing that we've got an extreme amount of pace coming down that left wing. Yeah, I mean, we really out of out of the if we think of our left mids, it's it's really Fernals and Anderson as the two. Anderson has the better pace, but I really he really kind of lacks in work rate on the defensive end sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think Fernals would commit the most. I, I can even see in the defense, like like you said, having Ogbana kind of tasked to go out and help on that left side. And and if that's the case, I could see I could see benefits in kind of instructing Rice to to drop back into into almost the back five at times. That that might be what you have to do for this specific match with just kind of the the threat that they have. And and, and no, he's not they're not a one man team by any threat. They have other players like Ra, Raul Jimenez, the the Mexican striker who who's had thirteen goals, good return for the season. He's he's a solid Premier League forward and and they have, you know, Diego, Diego Yoda on the other wing is, is good. I mean, they, they're a very balanced team, but, but I, I see with the way our, our, our players are, I see Traore as, as the biggest threat. And it, it's, it's going to take some, some form of throwing numbers at them. What, not, what, that, what way that is, Moyes is just going to have to figure it out, but, but he's going to be someone we've got to stop. So I believe that's a fair assessment. And one thing I want to move into is the key for the game. So to me, the key for this to winning this game is coming out strong. Both teams have had a few months off. They've both been training for the past few weeks. But if West Ham can come out and basically shock them, either with a quick goal or play super strong that first, say, 20 minutes of the game, I'm my idea is that the Wolves would kind of not expect that and take a step back and say, whoa, we need to recage the game. We need to get this under control. That opens up opportunity for West Ham. And, and, and that's us not getting a goal. If we get a goal, I think that would, that would pay huge dividends for us in terms of the way the, the tempo of the game, the control of the game, uh, the wolves would be a little bit on their heels. And especially after a three month break, they're not going to be as strong as coming out, uh, you know, who, before the season broke, scoring a goal and saying, oh, we can come back from this. Yeah, I think both teams are going to be rusty, and, and it really is just going to come down to who's been able to get back into football mode better, who's going to be more aggressive, who's going to be more aware. We're all, you know, everyone's going to – they're not going to be in midseason form, but but it's going to take it's going to take a lot of mental concentration to, to be able to play a professional game after after this long of a break. 
So it, it's going to be important to, like you said, get off on the get off on a strong foot, try and get an early goal, make sure you're you're structurally solid defensively, and I see the potential for a full three points here. I don't know if I'd predict it, but but the key to the I'd say our key to the game is definitely coming out mentally and physically ready. So you mentioned mentally and physically. How do we do that? What formation do you see us putting on the field? Should we put on the field to accomplish all those goals? Yeah, that's that's, that's a good question. So we had two friendlies, uh, I believe just two. There might have been a third. One one with QPR, one with Crystal Palace. And I, I think there was one more, but I can't recall against who. Now, those have been kept pretty secretly. I know we, we won against... Uh, QPR pretty well and and I mean the results don't really matter too much but it's more about getting fit but there was some rumors that maybe we played some some interesting tactics I don't know if it was formation differences or tactical differences and and so this could be different but last time we last time we were playing football our best football was really played in the 4-4-2 and and I think that's really what we got to we got to come out with this time to start out with obviously Rice is going to have a lot of defensive duties in that center in that center mid uh and it's going to take a full 11 man effort to really defend the wolves players but i'd say a 442 is our best chance so you mentioned rice is going to have to come back and play a little bit more defensively in games past we've had rice coming up supporting the attacking obviously is defensive minded player however he's he has done well uh supporting the attack in this game though in my opinion this is where you need to say all right you guys are professional soccer players. You're playing in the Premier League. We need Rice to be a little bit more defensive-minded, and we really need the attack to carry their weight. Because if the Wolves, like you mentioned, completely balanced team, they they are solid on the attack. They're also solid on defense. However, that solid attack is what we've got to be really careful of. And if you have them pounding our defense, it, it, we've proven in games past that if our defense gets pounded, we will give up goals, and we're probably going to give up several. So if you mention to the team, hey, Rice has got to play a little bit more defensively. Therefore, offense, you know, work your butt off to get the ball back if you lose it. Control, have possession, make sure you're giving our defenders rest, but you're also, you know, giving them it, pass back if you need to, but uh, try to, to not uh, have them be caught up the field where they can, the Wolves can get a quick break and, uh, you know, and, and know that Rice is not going to be as present forward because he has got to help out the defense or we're going to get scored on. Yeah, I think that's key. You want to you want to move on to our what we what we put our lineups as. Yeah, that sounds good. So I've got uh, Fabianski obviously in goal. See, uh, see I'd go Roberto here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew. That's all, that's if you want to lose the game. Yeah. Um. Then I've got uh, Fredericks out to the right. I would put Ngakia there. However, like you mentioned, he might not play. I am. I, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty assured he won't at this point. I, I really uh, wish there, he was, there's but. still a small <laughs> chance that we could sign him, but I don't think uh, currently his contract ends at the, the 30th of, of June. And I right. don't believe he is, is training with the team to my knowledge. So it, it won't be him. Right. So we'll, uh, we'll plan for Federicks there. We've got, I've got personally, and I believe you do too, Ogbon and Diop well. in the back and then Cresswell. Is that uh, any changes for you there? That's that's the four I have. I I wouldn't be too mad if we played Masuaku over Cresswell in this game, just because of of the the extra pace that he offers could could do a little better against Traore. But 
I'd probably go Cresswell with his defensive acumen, but I could go either way there. I, see, I, I'd be nervous about putting Masawaku in there. Just uh, if Cresswell is getting crushed, then maybe put in Masawaku. I think that's always an option. But I believe, I'm sorry, yeah, put in Masawaku for Cresswell. But if you have, I think you start Cresswell because until he gets crushed, uh, to me, he's the better option, especially we mentioned. Uh, he's not as good defense. Mazuwaku is not as good defensively. Uh, all right, let's move on to midfield. So I've got Bowen on the right. I've got Rice and Suchek. Uh, like I mentioned before, ideally Rice is a little bit more defensive. Suchek has been a defensive mid for the uh, the Czech team, but they also Czech Prague. Um, but they also are. Uh, he's done well as an attacking mid for us. So I would play him a slightly more attacking, but I don't want to necessarily define him as an attacking mid because he obviously can defend well and we might need that. The, and my last one is uh, Fernales on the left. He's proven himself over Anderson, proven himself over Lanzini, has potential, scores goals, at least gets assists. Great supporter for Antonio Hilaire. What do you have? Yeah, I, I agree. Definitely Bowen. Bowen has to start for me on the right. Uh, Suchek and Rice are a no-brainer. If we're just, And if we're just doing... If if we're keeping that flat four four two, this is where I, I I think for now's is my first choice. But one potential I could see is if we put Antonio, even though he's more a right sided player, if we put him on the left, to, mostly to help out on that defensive. He has the stamina, he has the pace and the strength, to, and the in relative defensive ability to to help out on the wing. I wouldn't be opposed trying him out on the left, just seeing what he does. If not, I'd have Fornals there and then Antonio and Hilaire up top. And if I you think, did put Fornals, uh, sorry, Antonio on that left side, would you move Fornals up to striker? I would, I would put, if I put Antonio on the left, I'd probably move Fornals and Bowen further up as kind of both number 10s. So they... Maybe we don't get as much width that way, but but they they're both kind of in and around Hilaire, giving him some support. I wouldn't I wouldn't put Fornals as, as a full striker, but kind of more operating that just outside the 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 twenty yard box and have maybe Bowen more inside with with Hilaire. So from a Wolves perspective, the way you stop West Ham right now is and at least take out one of their main players is you isolate Hilaire. I definitely believe you've got to have at least Antonio up there. I would start Antonio up there with him. However, if you did move him to the left just to help out with the pace, uh, then you, you've got to either put Bowen or for, uh, for now is either a little, little higher up the field, if not both to give that support support is key for Hilaire. He needs the support. That's fine. We now know that he needs support. So play that way. Uh, and I think we have, we don't, besides Hilaire, the only pure striker on this team is a Yeti and he's not really shown enough to play. So out of the other kind of winger slash attacking mids, you know, you have for Bowen, Antonio, Anderson, our probably maybe even Lanzini are probably the the next on the on the team sheet that you'd think they're all versatile enough that you can kind of put them left mid kind of put them right mid kind of put them just attacking mid but the, the so you can really set up any way you want as long as the and be as fluid of a formation as you want as long as you're constantly you got to have some support for Hilaire like we mentioned earlier Wolves play a three back three full big center backs. 
that's too much for any striker in the world to handle by themselves. They got to have support. So, so whatever formation we come out in, we need to make sure that our, our skilled attacking players are in and around the box and, and we have multiple people in there. So you mentioned multiple people in the box. And one thing I want to propose, and I want to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, what if we did a three back with Cresswell, Ogbonna, and Diop? Cresswell's already played center back for us, and obviously Ogbonna and Diop do. Uh, so we could kind of have them as all center backs supporting each other, take Fredericks out. That puts uh, that, and we'd basically be playing a three back. Then you'd play five in the middle and then two up top. So and those you'd take Fredericks out of the defense and put in uh, maybe, I'm trying to think, maybe uh, Anderson just to help. Or uh, like you've mentioned, we've got Rice, Fornal, Suchek. Maybe put an Anderson on the left with Fornals, Rice, and Suchek. Uh, Rice and Suchek being defensive mids, Fornals being yeah. attacking mid, and Bowen on the would, right. Even would if, that even help? If we put, even if we put Noble in as – if we put Noble, Suchik, and Rice kind of as a, a midfield three and then kept kind of four nows and Bowen as those wingers, I, I could see that working. Um, if it's – we're still going to be stretched on our left side so much no matter really what we do with it with this formation. Just, or just – I can see that working um, as long as as long as we've – as long as we practice it, I, I, like we said, they're, they were kind of secretive of, of what was happening at the friendlies, but with such a kind of a short um, practice time, I, I f- if they, if they feel like they've been able to install that, I'd be happy to happy to try that. So I think it, I think it definitely would give us more attacking presence than what we currently have, especially when we, we typically just Hilaire by himself may, and then one or two wingers that sometimes get involved. That formation definitely does give us more attacking presence. If we go down to maybe three, uh, maybe two goals, but definitely three, I would want to see a offensive change like this. And I would almost expect it uh, saying that we're facing relegation. We've got to get some sort of points back. However, I do believe that four, four, two is the strongest uh, formation to come out with. But if we're, if we're losing really badly or if we're up by a few goals, I, I wouldn't mind trying that out and see how it works. Um, all right. So let's move into predictions, um, for wolves in, in my honest opinion, we've got three pretty tough games, Tottenham, man city coming up, uh, after wolves. I'm not. And, and like I mentioned, honest predictions, not what I hope for. Uh, I'm not seeing us take any points out of these West Ham has historically been slow coming out of the gate. Um, we did do well the start of the season, but then we had a massive um, morale drop and, uh, and saw the change of a manager, so th- this season has not given me promise that we're going to come out and, and, and beat Wolves. But I think the best we can hope for is a tie. I believe we will lose this game. See, uh, I, I'll say, I'll say two, I'll say three, zero. Three, zero. Wow. Zero. Okay. I, think I, I, I think there is with, with everyone having rust, there's going to be a lot of volatility. I think we're in this, this, now some teams got a, had one game this midweek, but I think this Saturday we're going to see a lot of just crazy results with typically the helping some teams that maybe wouldn't be favored to win in the middle of the season have a better chance because there is rest. I think there's going to be defensive mis- mistakes and miscues on both sides. I can see us winning. I can see us losing. Losing's more likely than winning. But I want to predict a two-two draw here. I think I think 
both both teams take advantage of a couple defensive mistakes and put in a couple goals. So it's an interesting point with uh, your prediction versus mine. I'm I'm basically uh, I should say basing my prediction off of the the midseason and how the table is looking when we're losing. I mean uh, when we're uh, losing the rest of the season when we stop when we cancel the season for or paused it went on that hiatus. So uh, there there could be a a massive um, upset in terms of not just not, I'm not talking about our game, but in the premier league, a lot of teams like say a Liverpool losing to, to a lower team. Um, so that, that is a possibility. And that's interesting. I, I'm really interested to see not just how our game goes, but how the rest of them go and see who's coming out of the gate, whether the table, you know, it kind of plays out the way that uh, it's set right now, or maybe we do get a win. I'm sure hopeful. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to update update everyone out there, we're currently tied on points for 16th, but but ahead on goal differential where we we are tied with Bournemouth at 18th, who is in the relegation zone, and we're only one point ahead of Villa, who's at 19th. So there's there's a lot of teams right around there, but but we're not out of the woods, and we can use any and every point we can get. Hope for the best. Uh, Chris, you got any closing thoughts? I'm, uh, I'm really hoping we pull this one out, but uh, we've got to come out strong. And uh, if we start losing, man, sub sub someone out and, and let's change up something. Let's, let's get it going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for a good result, but mostly I'm just, just glad to be able to watch some football and hopefully it's enjoyful. Enjoy, uh, get some enjoyment out of it. And uh, we will, with this kind of accelerated schedule, we've talked about it. We'll, we'll try and come out with one full episode every week that just kind of gives a little bit of broader look at the club as well as the, the kind of recap and look ahead. But if not, if we'll try and get one full episode a week, but then also hopefully get for the, for the midweek games, a quick kind of recap and look forward. So we, we didn't preview the Tottenham game this week, but Hopefully after the Wolves game, we can give a, a shorter version of the podcast where we recap the Wolves game and look forward to the Tottenham game. And thank you guys for listening. Chris, got any more parting thoughts? Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. <laughs>